Hello, and welcome to Law, the Universe, and Everything. I'm your host, Pacifico Soldati. The show explores topics from law and business to consciousness, spirituality, and everything in between. We feature accomplished leaders across many fields to help you get more out of your life. You can learn more and stay up to date at theluepodcast.com. If you're not familiar with my background, I'm a helper, parent, marketer, attorney outlaw, certified mediator, story brand guide, omnist, yoga teacher, and a former paratrooper and award-winning army chef at the 82nd Airborne Division and U.S. Army Special Operations Command. I'm the founder and CEO of the Soldati Group, a marketing agency helping startups, small businesses, and law firms leverage the power of story to grow their businesses. Law of the Universe and Everything is a production of the Soldati Group. All opinions expressed by the hosts and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of the Soldati Group or guest employers. This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only, and these discussions do not constitute legal or investment advice. Today's episode is brought to you by MarketingForAttorneys.com, helping attorneys and law firms clarify and upgrade their marketing and messaging to help grow their firms while reducing reliance on pay-per-click advertising. Visit MarketingForAttorneys.com to book your free consultation today. My guest today is Martin Aquat. Martin is a growth marketer and serial entrepreneur. He has built several seven-figure businesses in the e-commerce and fintech space. Martin previously managed an aggressive $100 million annual Facebook ad budget and holds a patent in digital ad buying. After leaving the corporate world, Martin traveled to 30 countries in over two years and plans to resume traveling again. Thanks for joining me today, Martin, and welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So Martin, I'd love to know, how did you first get into marketing? That's a good question. So I, I stumbled into marketing really in high school. I guess back then I used to play a lot of video games. So this one game I played Maple Story. I was just leveling up characters. It was like one of the early online MMORPG games. And then I found out you could actually sell these characters on eBay. So what I did is I started selling my characters. And the one thing I realized is a lot of other people doing listings in eBay back in the day, their listings looked awful. So I essentially decided to learn a bit of HTML and made my listings really nice. And and that was my first foray into marketing. By having nicer listings for my characters, I ended up making a lot more money. So I, I made enough change to really pay for most of my going out costs throughout high school. Hmm. That's awesome. For you, what do you believe are the most important concepts in marketing? With marketing, it's it's always, I find, difficult to, to get started for a lot of people, entrepreneurs and, and other marketers, but it's really good to understand uh, clearly what your business is selling and which customers you're going after. Because if you don't have a very clear value proposition, you could spend a, a ton of money on marketing and you're not going to have a lot of targeted um, customers or leads come in. So. I think a lot of people, they, they try to just jump into, let's launch some Google ads, let's launch some Facebook ads, let's start making money. But it's really important to get your foundation right first. I always encourage business owners to focus on their branding, doing their, really getting their value proposition down pat and uh, getting a sense of who their core customers are. And so building off of that, what are some of the biggest mistakes marketers and business owners make in their marketing? Yeah, so many mistakes you can try to watch out for. I think the first one is 
not investing enough in marketing is one aspect I, I see. So a lot of business owners, they might focus very heavily on their product or their service, but they might be like very sales heavy and they'll just overlook the marketing side of the business. But really marketing it, depending on what kind of business you run, it's either the core revenue engine for your business, especially in more consumer facing online businesses or for more enterprise and relationship type businesses, it's really there to support sales. So a lot of people, I think, underinvest in marketing. Generally, I would recommend to allocate at least like 10% of your budget overall to marketing to support your efforts. And I guess the second mistake people make is they don't give it enough time to see proper results. Marketing is not one of those things where you just turn on and it's going to work today. It's a very iterative process. Starting a new company, you might try, let's say you want to do Facebook and Google and SEO and LinkedIn and, and you want to do email and all these channels. A lot of people, they, they might just try all the channels at once. And then after a few weeks, it's, nothing's really working. So they give up on it altogether. But I usually recommend start with one core channel that you're familiar with whether that's you know, running online ads or SEO or community marketing, but stick start with one channel and really give it a good three to six months because there is always a learning and ramp up period for every new business. And when you give it that time, then you can actually start to see the results and the fruits of your labor. So I think those are some common mistakes I see a lot of people make starting out. Oh, I totally agree. Like I, you know, I see a lot of people, they'll start off on TikTok and they're just like, I made three videos today and why don't I have any followers? And so today was your first day. Like just chill out or people start a Facebook ad campaign. And once it's been approved and running for 24 hours, they're like, what's going on? Like, I, I'm not getting it. And it's just, just started. Like people, people just have this mentality now. And I don't know if it existed before, before all the internet and, and everything took over marketing, but it's just, Hey, let's have a little patience. Let's see where it goes. Like, you're not going to know anything for at least a couple of weeks, like at minimum, but you really, like you said, you need three to six months or more to really figure it out. But I do think that a lot of that arises from so many people just not understanding what marketing is, what marketing can do. That's been a real learning process for me is like not taking on clients who don't understand the power of marketing. Cause that's why a lot of people don't invest in it enough. They think it's, uh, they think it's a scam. It's, it's one of the biggest industries in the world. It's clearly not a scam. Like marketing clearly works, but if you're going to try and work with a client who doesn't even believe marketing works and you run an ad agency or a marketing agency, that's like the most frustrating thing there is. Yeah, it's, it's really, I'd say a red flag if you're looking for clients, if, if they haven't, if they're not in the right mindset to invest in marketing, like they're probably not going to, and you need to have patience, right? Like things do take time and in the beginning, you're really spending money to learn. And I would see it as an investment in learnings because yeah, it, it's really going to be months down the line that you start to get the hang of things. And then like once, once you crack it, like once you figure out just one marketing channel, like you have a scalable business that you can continue to grow. So you just need to give it a little bit of patience and time, especially in the early days. Totally. So Martin, what was it like managing a nine figure ad budget? And was it that experience that then led you to seek out developing a patent for digital ad buying? Yeah, essentially starting out, to be honest, I really had no idea what I was doing. So to, to give you a bit of background, I, I joined a gaming company back in 2014 called Machine Zone. Back then they were the top grossing mobile games on the app store. So they had two games, 
One was called Game of War and another Mobile Strike. And, and between these two games, they were doing one to two billion dollars in revenue per year. So to, to support that revenue, we obviously had really large marketing budgets. And uh, f- funny side story. So my second week on the job, my I guess we, we had to watch our campaigns over the weekends because we're spending a lot of money. So my boss went away on vacation. He entrusted me with the Facebook ad budget. And I wasn't familiar with some of our internal tools. I was trying to make some tweaks and, and I meant to, this one campaign, I meant to pay like $40 for per install, per app install. And I accidentally changed it to $40 per click. So we're essentially paying like 40 bucks for someone to click on a Facebook ad and hopefully install our app. What ended up happening is because we bid so aggressively, we ended up blowing probably $3 million that weekend in budget. And we, we ended up becoming the largest Facebook ad buyer in like worldwide that weekend. Like even apparently I heard Sheryl Sandberg even got notified about us. I, yeah, I had a pretty rocky start with my job. We lost uh, quite a bit of money that first weekend, made, made it up over the long run. But going in, I had no idea how to manage large budgets. It's, it's really something that I, I learned over time by doing a lot of trial and error, a lot of testing to try and see what works, whether it's testing different creative assets, whether it's testing different targeting, different messaging. So I did a lot of testing early on. And then I, I translated that experience. I learned running nine figure budgets at a big company into running my own ad budgets for, for my own companies on a much smaller scale. Mm. And so tell me a little bit more about the patent you developed. Uh, Yeah, so our patent back in the day, so I guess this was 2017, we filed for the patent. We, while working at Machine Zone, this was like Facebook was still really early as a platform. It didn't have a lot of tools and features that uh, we take for granted today. Like, for example, today you can set rules on your ads. So if, if an ad's underperforming, it just gets paused. If it's doing really well, it scales up. There was a lot of like limitations and how many ads you can launch and targeting and, and all these things. So we ended up building a lot of internal tools to tackle these challenges. One of which I worked with another engineer to, to create a machine learning algorithm where it would take in all of our ad data and we would have up to 50,000 Facebook ads running on a single day. So it, it'd take in all this data from our ads and then it would take a bunch of data from our, our database of users for the entire game. And it would use that to predict which ad should we launch next based on who's gonna who's most likely to click on this ad based on their messaging, based on the, the image they're seeing. Do they prefer to see videos or images? And this essentially was the base of the patent. A lot of the tools we've built that are really similar to the patent today are, are actually built into Facebook. The good thing is a lot of marketers don't need to know machine learning and all these things to run really effective campaigns. But a few years back, it, none of this really existed. So we we had to team up with engineers and use machine learning to actually get our ads to perform well at a higher scale. Fascinating. So how do you see marketing evolving over the next decade and what will stay the same? A lot of marketing, the core principles, they generally stay the same, right? Like people don't necessarily change their habits or values that much, like decade over decade. I think the main thing that changes is the medium of marketing. So say, for example, back in the 80s and 90s, we had infomercial ads on TV. And these were like hugely successful 
extremely popular. It was a great way to sell consumer products on late night TV, grew into a multi-billion dollar annually in industry. And what I've started to see in especially the last five years is a lot of ads on Facebook or YouTube, Instagram, they incorporate some of these infomercial qualities. Like I've seen a lot of ads that there's, they use similar urgency tactics at the end of the call, at the end of the ad to get people to, to engage. They might have a spokesperson walking through all the benefits of the product. A good example you might've seen in the, la in the past decade is Dollar Shave Club. They had a lot of ads where they're just talking about how great this razor is. And it, it does have aspects of, of infomercials that you see. And so for this decade, I, I see a lot of the same tactics moving into newer ad channels. So channels, think of TikTok, LinkedIn's developing a lot more as an ad platform, Snapchat's still in the early growth stage, and even new platforms that we, we can't really predict because they, they haven't been created yet. But a lot of marketing, it's such a competitive space where if you can find a new medium where there just isn't that much competition, like think of Google ads back in, in early 2000, there wasn't that many people bidding on Google ads. So you could get insurance leads, for example, for a dollar a click. Like today you'll be paying 20 to $50 for a single click on an insurance lead. But those opportunities existed because they're new channels. So I think as any good marketer, you can stick to the, the tried and true marketing strategies and, and ways to sell to people, but always be on the lookout for, for new mediums and channels that you can reach them with. It's great advice. Martin, what do you love most about marketing? I love how marketing just changes every day. I, I love coming to work every day and it's not the same as the last day that it's good and bad. Obviously I wish my Facebook ads and Google ads would perform perfectly every day and I can just go off to an island and retire. But it's really an interesting space because like I mentioned before, you have new ad channels coming out every day. There's always new tactics and strategies that people are using. And, and we can we often try to learn from other competitors and advertisers in our space, like how are they marketing and, and we incorporate aspects of, of their campaigns into ours. But yeah, every day is a brand new day. I'm always learning. I, I always stay sharp. Like I, before this, I, I was studying actually early in college. I was studying to be an accountant and I, nothing against accountants. I think it's a very difficult job. Like there's a lot you need to know, but I, I found with accounting that a lot of things were always the same. Every year you have tax season and then every month you have to create these financial statements. And it's a lot of like very meticulous, repetitive process. Whereas I would say, marketing and especially digital marketing, it's probably on the other side of the spectrum where nothing really stays constant every day, but it keeps you sharp and it, it creates new opportunities that appear much more quickly, I'd say, than in, in other parts of business. Definitely. So who are your favorite marketers or brands that you think do a great job marketing? Ooh, uh, a lot of great marketers out there. I think one a lot of people will be familiar with is Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk. He's done a great job, not only building up his personal audience on social media channels, but he also runs a really successful agency running digital marketing for dozens of, of Fortune 500 companies. I think Gary Vee's really good. A lot of the good marketers too, they're actually, I, I'd say like besides Gary Vee, a lot of great marketers, they're not that much in the spotlight. Like often some of the smartest guys you never really hear about. So for example, there was one guy, he was, I can't remember his name right now, but he was head of growth at Uber. 
back in the early 2010s. And he essentially took Uber from being like a 10-person company to making billions in revenue a year using a lot of really smart growth marketing tactics. But like you never hear about him. You, you might hear about like the CEO of Uber. You might hear about the Gary Vee's. But a lot of great marketers you, you don't really hear about. But what I usually do is whatever space I'm in, I will always try to look at what the competition is doing, especially both bigger and, and smaller companies, see who's uh, performing well in, in digital marketing. But there's a lot of groups and communities you can join. For example, if you want to learn Facebook ads, there's a great group called Facebook Ad Buyers. It has 100,000 people in it. And people are always sharing like new ideas for tactics and creatives that are working for them. So I, I think it helps a lot to be plugged into networks. If you can find one or two influencers in the space that you like the content they share, maybe join some Facebook groups and some forums, like you can pick up a, a lot of new tactics and, and inspiration from there and apply that to your own business. Cool. So how can small businesses leverage growth marketing tactics to grow their businesses? Yeah, small, small businesses, it's always hard in the sense that budgets are are a bit limited, right? If you're Coca-Cola, your marketing budget might be like a hundred or hundreds of millions of dollars a year. Small businesses, we might be looking at like hundreds and maybe thousands of dollars per month for a lot of owners I talk to. So you really need to be targeted. Again, I think it comes back to when you're starting with marketing Pick one channel that you believe in and invest in that channel. So instead of doing, again, like Facebook and Google and SEO or whatever, like maybe just start with Facebook, take the time, get learning. It's Facebook actually is, is one of the channels I recommend for most people because you can get started with a really small budget, like running Facebook ads, $5 a day is achievable and you can actually start to see results over some time versus something like YouTube, you need to create usually a really nice video you might spend like thousands of dollars on video and then training the algorithm you need to spend hundreds of dollars a day but if you can pick one channel like facebook spend some time try a lot of different targeting try a lot of different angles and creatives it's you might try one messaging angle and another and the best thing about facebook too is they have something called facebook ads library you can google it in Facebook ads library, you can type in any business name on Facebook and it will show you all of the ads they're running at the time. So you can use that for inspiration to get started with your own campaigns. And again, at, at $5 a day minimum budget, I think it, it's a great starting place, especially for small businesses in, in both B2B and B2C niches. Great advice. Martin, how has traveling expanded your worldview and changed your perception and maybe even helped your marketing? Yeah, traveling has been, I've been really fortunate to, at least before COVID, visit a handful of countries. I think it's been a nice change. Like growing up, I grew up in Canada most of my life, went to university there, came out to the States for the first time after graduating to work in Silicon Valley. But even still, I'd say my day-to-day my -day life hasn't, wasn't that drastically different. But having been in the different places, it's been nice to see how people live how the values are different it's i don't i, I feel like every time I, I visited a new country it just opened my mind to to new possibilities sometimes you can get stuck into the day-to-day -day routine of the tasks you're doing and it's hard to get inspiration but as soon as you see something new you know when i went to the say for example like the amazon rainforest in peru like it's just a completely 180 degree different environment than what i'm used to it 
it just gives you time to reflect and, and see things are different out there. A lot of cultures are, are very different. And I, I think I've applied this well to my marketing. Like in, in Machine Zone, we ran ads in, you know, basically every country you could run, run ads in. So like over 100 countries. But things like knowing that in, in Brazil, for example, people are really community and family focused. They listen to more uh, podcasts. And I, in, in fact, in a lot of like South American countries, YouTube is bigger than Google search, which I learned recently. So video plays like a huge role. But I think there's little insights you pick up in any place you travel to, and it'll always apply and, and improve your marketing. So I guess there's not like one specific learning, I would say, but I, if you get the chance, I, I highly encourage traveling as places start to open up and you will see better results in your marketing, especially if you start marketing in international countries one day. So what's your favorite place you visited? Ooh, favorite place. So many great ones, but I would have to say Buenos Aires, Argentina is still my favorite. In case anyone doesn't know, it's it's located in South America. Reminds me a lot of Europe, but like very cheap, very good steak, just really good, like quality of life. There's good nightlife. There's good coffee shops and a great food scene. There's wine country there. If you're into to Malbec's, they have some of the best in the world. Highly would recommend checking out Buenos Aires if you get a chance. Mm, sounds fantastic. Martin, how has a failure or apparent failure set you up for later success? And do you have a favorite failure? Oh, when you work on startups, there's always a lot of failures, especially in the early days. We're, we're really always failing. But yeah, I guess one of my earlier failures, so coming right out of, out of college, we started, myself and two friends, we started an app for dentists. And this was like an early iPhone app where you could, our goal was to help dentists like fix patients' cavities. Dentists would use our app along with a small attachment. They could see if the cavities have been fixed properly or whatnot during their process. And we had a hard time with the business. We started getting a little bit of traction after a couple of months. And lo and behold, we got a, a cease and desist letter from one of our competitors. So that, that was fun, just coming right out of school, getting into a legal battle. Long story short, we almost ended up getting acquired by this company that tried to desist us, but then it things turned really sour and we got into a bit of a legal battle with no money in the bank account. While it was an awful outcome, we ended up having to fold the business because we ran out of money. It was a great learning experience in tactics like uh, negotiation, like how do you get around very tricky situations. So I, I learned a lot from that experience. We, we had a lot of mentors that they just found it interesting that we were getting sued. So everyone wanted to help us out. Like we even had a great lawyer. He gave us a bunch of his free time because he was like trying to stick up for the small guy rather than the big guy bullying the small guy. So we ended up networking with a ton of people, learned a ton of negotiation skills and the business obviously failed, but I, I use those learnings in, in future ventures that I started afterwards. Oh, wow. That's pretty wild experience. Mm -hmm. If you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, what would it say and why? Oh, gigantic billboard. Uh, as much as I want to say Times Square, I feel like there's a, there's already enough billboards in Times Square. I like, I, I could do a billboard probably in San Francisco. If, if you ever go down there and you're driving on the highway through the Bay Area, there's a ton of like tech company billboards just on the highway. There's literally like 
nothing else on the road so everyone sees them but putting it on putting a message on a billboard that's hard i'd probably do something positive stay positive stay sharp because we'll get better. I, I know a lot of people have been going through a lot of challenges during COVID, whether it's in their personal businesses or, or their families and challenges with their loved ones. So I'd, I'd probably just give a word of encouragement that we will get through this. We're, we're all struggling together, but good times are, are just around the corner. Very nice. So Martin, what are some of your go-to self-care strategies, tactics, techniques, habits? Ooh, yeah, self-care. I think this is one I've, I've been trying to work on myself, especially during COVID. I know it hasn't been easy. One of the simplest, though, is sticking to a routine. So when whether you work for yourself or you work from home, it's easy to just be like, oh, I, I can wake up at noon and, and I can work whenever I want. But I found it, it's best for your body and, and your mental well-being if you just have a schedule and stick to it. If, if it's nine to five or, or whatever that schedule is for you, I think it creates a lot of consistency and, and makes it easier to get through the day. Besides that, self-care, I, I like to do a lot of sports. So especially I take time on weekends to, to either go cycling, which I love, go to the gym, go for a swim. Sports for me are, are very like therapeutic and, and it takes my mind off of a lot of life's worries, but it's also good for, for your body too. Reading's great. I try to read when I can. It's uh, it's always challenging, but I always find time, especially in the evenings, to do some reading. And uh, yeah, spend time with family and loved ones. Give uh, Everyone's pretty lonely during COVID. It's all right to give your friends and family a call, like check in on them, make sure they're okay. Like I found uh, not only is that rewarding, but you're also helping other people out. They, they might just need someone to reach out once in a while. Oh, for sure. That's great advice. So Martin, what is one of the best or most worthwhile investments you've ever made? And feel free to interpret the word investments as liberally as possible. Yeah, there's there's many types of investments, but I guess career investments, I've I've always tried to invest in myself and in like my knowledge of digital marketing. I think for background, I actually had a math degree in school, so it wasn't related to marketing at all, but I, I had some really good mentors that pushed me to get into the digital marketing space, which ended up, parts of it are actually kind of mathy and technical, but I spent a lot of time reading case studies of other marketers, finding what marketing tactics they're using to grow their business, listen to a lot of podcasts. Tim Ferriss, for example, has a great podcast. He, he talks about marketing once in a while. So I think investing in your knowledge and learning is important, uh, especially in a fast-paced industry like digital marketing, where things are always training or sorry, not always training, always changing. So I think it's important to invest in yourself, dedicate a few hours every week to learn something new, totally out of your circle. To give you an example, I used to not know like anything about SEO at all, like search engine optimization, but just in my spare time, I've been reading some newsletters, following in a few SEO groups and, and learning from smart friends. And now I run all the SEO efforts for our, our current life insurance brokerage, Dundas Life. And we're making huge progress. Like we're just shooting up the, the search engine rankings, but it's been a long process. Two years ago, I literally knew nothing about SEO. I just committed the time to learning and now we're seeing good results. So I, I expect to do the same. Like I'm always learning new channels, new tactics and, and new businesses. I'm, I'm not, I've never, I've jumped around in a lot of industries, whether it's like e-commerce or fintech, gaming, but a lot of the, again, a lot of the marketing principles you learn 
they all stay the same. People don't change that much. It's just different channels and different ways of communicating with them. That is the change. Definitely. So you mentioned mentors and advisors. How have you found mentors and advisors throughout your career? Yeah, I got really lucky early in my career joining an incubator back in Toronto called Next Canada. So we, while we were working on our, our dental startup, we got paired with two senior mentors. These are like 10 to 20 year veteran entrepreneurs. They were like our first real mentors that pushed us to, to not only do better in our business, but, but better in ourselves. So if you get a chance, if your business is especially like a tech company or in a high growth space, like you can look for incubators or accelerators for mentors. Otherwise it's sometimes you meet friends at conferences and they might just be like, I try to look for someone that's maybe a few years ahead of, of where I am or what, or where I want to be. I have a good mentor, Mike, who's been in digital advertising for 15 years. So a couple years longer than myself, he's had a lot of success and I'll just message him and pick his brain and, and ask how he's working on certain projects. I think part of it, again, it can come like organically through just like networking and, and being part of your own community of, of marketers or any business you're in. But there are resources out there, especially today. There's so many incubators, accelerators. There's just a lot of people willing to help if, if you're willing to take the time to look for it. Definitely. So what advice would you give to a smart, driven high school or college grad that's about to enter the real world? And is there any advice they should ignore? Yeah. So one thing I found, especially when you're younger, your first career, I think a lot of influence comes from your family. So like your parents, uh, maybe your teachers, for example, about like career, right? You're graduating and it's always find a good, stable job that you can make a good income and you don't have to work too hard. I think this is a lot of advice I received and I followed it initially, like through my early internships. And I just found like a lot of the, the jobs I try to do where, where they were either high paying or stable. I didn't really love what I was doing. And I found if you take the time to explore and find what are you truly passionate about, you will make money and you'll probably make again, way more money than you would in, in something you're not passionate about. But the other area I'd look in is try to explore non-traditional paths. So when I was graduating, everyone's, oh, maybe you want to go work in banking or consulting or like a government job or like a big Fortune 500 company. We live in an age where there's a lot of change and there's new industries. There's, you can go work in blockchain now. You can go work as, you could, you could be an influencer. You could run a podcast or, or start your own channel. There's so many growth areas that didn't exist a few years ago. And so there's when if you can try and get on an early wave like that, there's a lot less competition and a lot more room to grow than maybe in a traditional channel or like industry, old school financial services. So I think those are my two pieces of advice are, are try to find something you really love and don't be afraid to explore non-traditional career paths. I love those. Those are great. So, Martin, what are one to three books that have greatly influenced your life? One to three books, I think early on in high school, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which by Robert Kawasaki, uh, really great book, helped me to think about how to invest, at, even though at the time I didn't really have money to invest, but it helped me think about investing into not only myself, but investing into businesses and ways to grow your money over the long term. So I found that book really helpful. Thinking Fast and Slow 
was another really great book I found. It's more psychological book, so it, it focuses on things that, that we do consciously and, and unconsciously or really subconsciously. So there's a lot of a lot of habits I, I developed as a kid and throughout life that I didn't even know I was doing. So the book is it's a good way to to really reflect on yourself. But I found those two books really impactful for me. Oh, yeah, definitely very impactful books. Yeah, both the watershed books in their specific fields, I would say. So who have been some of your heroes throughout your life and how did they help or inspire you? few heroes. It depends when you ask me in life as a kid, it was probably Superman or Batman, but I still have a lot of respect and would consider my parents as heroes. So they grew up in, in communist Poland, left in the early 90s, right after communism ended, and moved to Canada with basically nothing. And they worked really hard, as I'm sure many immigrant parents do, and gave myself and, and my siblings a lot of opportunities to be like opportunities both financially where we, we we weren't like well wealthy or anything but we didn't necessarily have to worry about money all the time but we also had a chance to explore and get in careers in different fields that really interest us i do admire the immigrant hustle i think really any immigrant parents trying to create a better life for their kids i would consider as heroes love that so are there any quotes you think of often or that you live your life by quotes. I'm not great at memorizing any quotes, but I try to I try to live by the the ethos that, that every day is like a new chance, a new opportunity. Every day is hopefully going to be a better day than the last. I think especially when you're an entrepreneur and business owner, there's a lot of ups and downs. And when things are not going well, they tend to not go well for a while. Like a lot of Maybe you lose a customer and then you lose another customer and a third customer and things just feel like they're snowballing and they're not going in a positive direction. So I know a lot of this is, you know, temporary. A lot of success in business and in entrepreneurship is just, are you willing to stick around long enough, right? Are you willing to keep pushing every single day? And I think it's easy to get discouraged by um, a lot of negative things that happen. But if, if you come in with the mindset that eventually good things will happen, you're going to stick to it and, and persevere. I think people that follow that as well have a lot of success in their business. And so that's something, one way I try to keep positive, get through the, the ups and downs of every day. Love that. So in the last five years, what new belief, behavior, or habit has most improved your life? Last five years. Hmm. I feel I've, I've developed many bad habits during COVID, but I think, yeah, the biggest thing for me, so early on, I coming out of school, I thought life was all about get good grades, work really hard, get promoted. It's what you're taught like, early on in life, but I found kind of taking time to, to sit back and reflect on yourself. Every couple months or years, it, it does help. So what, one thing I've been doing lately is there'll be periods of time where I'll work really hard on my businesses for a couple of months, sometimes maybe even once or two years, like it, I'll just have a sprint and then I'll take some time off. It'll be say like a few months trip. Sometimes like I'll go away for six months and, and work a little bit on the side or I'll go away for a few weeks and just not work at all. But I find having periods of, you know, focus where you can just focus on, on, on building 
and then periods of taking time for yourself, even if it's not career productive. It's good. It's a good way to clear your mind and, and come up with new ideas and, and ways to solve problems. I believe Nassim Taleb also does the same thing where he will work for two years and then take six months or a year off and just think. So I think if you can carve out time, I'm, I know not everyone's able to do this depending on your work schedule, but if you can really carve out like a solid few good weeks or a few months every couple of years to just like disconnect from pretty much everything and uh, think and reflect, it, it does like huge, has huge benefits for your business and, and just your mental well-being. Absolutely. So what are some bad recommendations you hear in your profession and area of expertise? Uh, bad recommendations. Let's see. There's uh, I don't want to offend anyone, but there's, you know, I'd say, especially in digital marketing, there's a lot of agencies and it's hard to find really good agencies. There's, especially these days, it, it seems there's like new agencies popping up every single day. I know a lot of people that have gone into agencies. A lot of agencies, they, they're incentivized to, to help make you spend money so that they make money, right? Let's say you're an ad agency, you run Facebook ads for someone and you might get paid 10 or 15% of ad spend. So from an agency's point of view, they want to spend as much money as possible so they can get a, a higher fee. That's just how they're incentivized. It's, it's not that they're bad people. It's just the incentive structure is not there. So I think you have to be really picky about who you work with in digital marketing. There, there are great agencies that will provide a really high ROI for your business. But oftentimes, especially when you're starting out, it's best to, I would say, spend some time and learn the tactics and skills yourself. Get yourself up and running off the ground. And then once you've gotten some success, maybe you've run those Facebook ads for three months and you have a little bit of traction and you're looking to take that traction to the next level. At that point, an agency is going to provide a lot more value to you versus in the early days when you have a smaller budget and not much room for error. It's, it's that. So I'd say a lot of people jump into working with agencies too soon and um, they probably don't spend enough time vetting agencies to find the right partner for your business. Great stuff. So in the last five years, what have you become better at saying no to? Oh, I, I try to say no to everything now, <laughs> almost everything. But yeah, what I guess one challenge I have is I'm very opportunistic. I find like someone, some friend will always pitch me like a new opportunity or idea. And I'm like, wow, this is great. I really let's pursue this. And, and all of a sudden, next thing you know, I have five or 10 projects on my plate. Like I'm running an insurance company and then I have a deodorant brand, Wello, and then someone's pitching me a blockchain idea or whatnot. So one thing I do now is really every six months or so, I just, I reassess what is it that I'm working on? Which projects and businesses am I working on? And I just try to cut the lowest value ones. So I'll, by cutting, that could mean like shutting down a business. Like I was working on a, a pet store like late last year during the COVID rush, like trying to sell pet products. And even though there's great opportunity there, it wasn't really something I enjoyed and it was taking up a lot of my time. So I, I just completely dropped that project. There's businesses I've worked on where I, I just, I, I'd pass off a lot of it to a co-founder who's able to take on more than me. But I try to just, because I know myself, I know I, I say yes to a lot of things and a lot of people do and, and they spread their time too thin in too many projects. 
just take every six months, reevaluate, do a check-in with yourself. Like, where is your time going? What's the best use of your time? What are you enjoying? And, and, and as much as it hurts, just cut the bottom performing projects. You will, you will thank your la yourself later down the line. Oh, I love that. It's great. Yeah. Great check-in habit, especially if you're prone to the shiny new object syndrome that yeah ends up putting dozens of things on your plate. And it's, oh, wait, I can't actually do all these things. <laughs> yeah. So Martin, this has been a fantastic and illuminating conversation. And as our time is almost up, it brings me to my last question. And that is, what is the kindest thing anyone has ever done for you? Wow, kindest thing. I feel very lucky. I've had a lot of people help me out in life, whether it's just like teaching me different things about digital marketing or, or being an entrepreneur or like all the teachers in school that have done a lot for me. Funny enough, I guess what I'm probably most thankful for is there was a time in, in college when I went to, went on vacation to Hawaii, went kind of, it was high tide season. So I was swimming, but I got a, a little carried away, probably ended up like before I knew it, I was really deep into the ocean, having a hard time to get back. So I, I called for help and I didn't know if help would come, but a minute later, three surfers just came by with a surfboard and they like they brought me back to shore. I, I don't know if I would have made it back there without them, but they literally saved my life. I don't know who they are or where they are right now, but I'm really thankful for those those few surfers that, that helped me out that one time in Hawaii. It helps me still be here today. Oh, wow. That, that is powerful. That's amazing. Martin, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been an absolute pleasure to get to speak with you. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's, thanks for having me. Really had a great time here. Hope I could share some some insights with everyone and you can take something away, hopefully grow your business a little bit more than you could before. Oh, definitely. Today's episode was brought to you by marketingforattorneys.com. If you're an attorney looking to grow your law firm and ditch the crowded field of pay-per-click advertising, then visit marketingforattorneys.com to book your free consultation today. Thank you so much to all of our listeners for tuning in to today's show. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you found us so that others can find it as well. And follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at the LUE Podcast, or visit our website at theluepodcast.com. And if you'd like to support this show even further, I'd love to invite you to become a patron of the show. For as little as $5 per month, you can help us continue to produce high-quality shows with amazing guests like you heard today. To become a patron, please visit patreon.com slash the LUE podcast. We look forward to having you tune in next time for the next episode of Law, the Universe, and Everything. I'm Pacifico Soldati, wishing you peace, love, and awesomeness. Yeah.